Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Market, and this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, the premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Chip, how you doing this morning, man? Hey, doing real well. How you doing, Casey? Not too bad. Sounds like uh, your neck of the woods is going to get a little cold weather to come through there. We, uh, it's, I think probably the coldest we've been all winter so far. It's going to get worse uh, tomorrow and Saturday. A little bit of snow coming through, sleet, uh, ice, you name it. Uh, looks like we're going to get it here in the next, uh, oh, 24 to 48 hours. So all the fun stuff's coming at you, huh? Uh, it is. I, honestly, um, I think it's going to maybe be a little bit worse uh, north and west. We might be just right on the edge of it. But uh, one thing is for sure, it is going to be cold. Yep. All right, so let's go back here and recap this uh, This the China Phase 1 thing got signed on Wednesday. Um the markets were, the corn market wasn't very thrilled with it, and the, the soybean market sure wasn't thrilled with it at all. I believe they finished 13 down for the day-ish, something like that, um, on Wednesday. And then uh, yesterday was corn's turn to take a beating. So it looks like uh, um, what we've been waiting for, you know, every two weeks, we're two weeks away from a, from a deal. We finally got that two weeks, and it just didn't pan out. I think a lot of it probably had to do with the fact that the majority of those purchases are going to be in 2021 after the election you know late fall you know in into the 2021 marketing year i probably had a little bit to do with it but i guess what's your what's your opinion of what the the market's uh reaction to this and and uh i guess are you surprised yeah a little bit surprised quite honestly um I, i can understand the bean reaction a little bit you know we'd rallied 70 cents into the report pretty straight-up trading action. Uh, the funds had liquidated all their shorts in the bean market. So I can understand maybe uh, a little bit of uh, buy-the-rumor-sell-the-fact type action uh, in the beans. Uh, the corn really had me scratching my head yesterday. You know, just got absolutely pummeled down uh, 12, 12 and a quarter yesterday in March corn. Uh, funds were still short corn. They hadn't um, gotten out of their shorts. They added to that aggressively yesterday. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher here, the reaction. I think there's a lot of, um, I guess I'll use the term misunderstanding um, uh, uh, surrounding what this trade trade deal was. A lot of talk about, number one, that we weren't going to um, do away with any tariffs, um, which isn't really the case. Uh, in 30 days when this trade deal takes effect, we are going to reduce uh, some of the tariffs, uh, but that was never on the table anyway. A uh, lot of uh, negativity that China uh, made a comment that they're only only going to purchase our commodities as the market dictates. Um, you know, that was not new information either. They've said that all along. Uh, you know, I think there was some misunderstanding about uh, or some hope that there'd be more details uh, in this report uh, or in the, you know, the signing and the, and the text of the agreement about what they're going to buy. That, again, that was never on the table. Uh, and then I think finally there's just a general lack of confidence that they're um, 
going to even follow through and and uh, and buy what they say they're going to buy, or even start to buy what they what they have said they're going to buy. So uh, you know, the first three items there, I, I think, were, were total misinformation. Everybody thought that that they were going to put out uh, you know exact specifics on what they were going to buy, how much, when. You know, that's a little bit of a pipe dream. They were never going to do that. But uh, I think it's a little too early to say that they're not going to follow through on the agreement 48 hours after you sign it. So uh, in a lot of cases, it doesn't kick in for 30 days. So it's a little bit of a wait and see right now. And and that's the transition that uh, we're going to have. So probably a little bit overdone to the downside uh, in corn uh, in here yesterday. We did bounce a little bit overnight so far, up uh, two and a half. Um so yeah, pretty ugly uh, reaction here in the you know immediate hours after the signing of that report. Yeah, and, uh, to say the least. Um, one of the things I've been following here of late is uh, what's going on in South America. South America obviously has a big a big role in, in the corn and soybean production worldwide, and looks like Argentina is just banging their head against this dryness when it comes to their soybeans and. They're, they've uh, over the last couple of weeks have reduced the number of, of hectares planted by, uh, by almost three hundred thousand hectares. So, um, I guess talk about what you see with the soybean market and and how that South America dryness is is going to play an effect on that. Yeah, so that's another thing that's a little bit uh, of a headwind in our markets, particularly the bean market. Is it it appears that. Uh, Brazil uh, and Argentina have big crops uh, in the making down there um, uh, for their beans. A couple little pockets popping up in uh, Argentina. They're a little bit dry, so they're not totally out of the woods yet. Uh, they're a little bit behind in general where Brazil is, you know, just from a seasonal standpoint. Uh, so a little bit of dry weather uh, that's, you know, maybe starting to pop up in parts of Argentina. Brazil seems to be in pretty good shape right now. Uh, for the most part, and, uh, you know, they're closer to harvest anyway. In fact, some very early harvest has started down there. So within about uh, 30 to 45 days, they're going to be pumping beans out of that country. Looks like it could be a record crop there. And so that's the other thing that's kind of weighing on the bean market. You know, yeah, China may pick up their purchases from us a little bit, but the problem is worldwide, uh, it looks like uh, we've got ample supplies of beans out there. So it's just going to be the logistics of, you know, who gets the business? How much is China going to buy from us? How much uh, other business will we lose to Brazil um, if their beans, you know, are much cheaper uh, during their fall coming up here in a few weeks, uh, which typically they they are, and they, you know, kind of steal a little bit of that business away from us during that, uh, you know, February to April time frame. So uh, bottom line, looks like uh, big crops coming on the bean side in the southern hemisphere unless something really goes haywire uh, in the next few weeks. So uh, that's something that's a little bit of a, uh, a headwind in, uh, you know, in, in our bean market here. And maybe taking a little bit of the shine off of the, this trade agreement as well with some of the pressure we've seen in beans the last couple of days. All right, so now we got this trade agreement signed. Um, it's no secret that China needs uh, to buy a bunch of pork here, especially coming up on their... Uh uh, the Lunar New Year that's coming up is a big deal, a uh, big holiday for them. Um, I guess the uh, the hog market has has 
done some done some few things here where they've seen some firming and some kind of trending up a little bit here over the last uh, few days. But I guess so. What's what's your thoughts on the on the hog market? Are, are we going to start seeing some some more of a takeoff here uh, with this uh, with this phase one being signed, or do you still think it's going to be a wait and see type of deal? Um, I think that honestly, the pork market has uh, a lot to gain out of this agreement. You continue to to uh, you know just see Chinese pork prices continuing to rally. Uh, there was some data out this morning. They're um, you know at uh, oh decade lows in uh, in hog numbers over there, so they still haven't figured things out uh, as far as their uh, you know those issues uh, there with their their herd. So yes, um, you know, reading between the lines, as you look at the weekly sales on pork uh, here the last several weeks, China's been in there uh, already buying U.S. pork, right. irrespective of having this trade agreement done. The problem with the pork market is, here domestically, we are just putting out massive quantities, huge supplies of pork. So you look out there, we've got summer hogs you know, trading in the uh, mid to upper 80s here recently, they were over uh, at or slightly above 90. Yet the cash market right now, the lean index, uh, this is the first day today that we've uh, ticked up over 60 bucks for a long, long time. So you've got such a head start out there that some of that extra business that uh, we're going to see from China is somewhat baked into prices um, in, in hogs, but it's going to be good. I think the question is, when do they start buying? How much? There's some talk that they could, uh, that could be maybe more of an immediate thing here that uh, they could, you know, pretty quickly start uh, seeing big purchases of U.S. pork and not even wait that 30 days um, that, uh, you know, for this trade agreement to take effect. So, big, big picture, I think it's going to be good for hogs. The problem is, you know, a lot like uh, the bean market right now, uh, here domestically, we're, we're just awash in pork. And we've expanded the, you know, the, the hog herd for years running by 2 to 3%. And so we're facing a uh, big, big supply right now. So hopefully we can see some of this big demand start to uh, offset some of that supply. Okay. The other thing, uh, when you started looking at what what uh, phase one was part of there there is a a pretty big gate that swung open for uh for beef and watching the beef market right now um we had you know obviously had that big run up since the tyson fire things kind of settled down a little bit had a little bit of a correction there now we're kind of you know filling our way back up to the uh to the upside so i guess do you feel like cattle has a has a place at the table here when you start looking at uh, what, what they're going to do with China? I mean, do you feel like that's going to be uh, something they're going to actively pursue, or do you feel like this is just going to be more of a, we're going to buy all the pigs first and see what we can do in the, in the, with the beef later? No, I think, uh, I think also beef uh, has a lot to gain. I, I think of anything, as you read between the lines of that trade agreement, the, the meat side of the equation, whether it's beef, pork, poultry, uh, I think stands uh, probably the most to gain out of this. Uh, so I, I think uh, that beef could be uh, a big, big deal. You know, on top of that, we've got this Japanese agreement. We're starting to to send more uh, beef there to Japan. That's a huge market. Um, you know, we were uh, signed the USMCA. Uh, Mexico's already a big purchaser of U.S. beef and probably increasing 
So the meat side of the equation, uh, not only the China agreement, but all these other trade agreements with Japan and Mexico really opens the door up for good things on the, on the meat side of the equation. So I, I think that, uh, that's a good, a good, good sign, good news, but again, maybe not quite as burdensome a supply, but, uh, you know, for a couple of years running now, we're increasing the, the cattle side of the equation, the numbers. Uh, I just uh, read today the carcass weights uh, are up. So we've got a pretty big supply out there as well. Uh, we become really efficient, really good um, producers uh, of everything, you know, poultry, pork, and beef. And um, so the supply is big and growing, but it does look like the trade side and the export side has a lot of room to uh, improve here, you know, on the pork, pork, beef, and poultry side here in the very near future. Yeah. Yep. There's uh, plenty of stuff going on. I guess when I look at this, and this is just my this is my my completely uh, uneducated guess here, but it seems to me like the the uh, the weekly export reports are going to have a lot more weight moving forward um, with this kind of seeing what happens. You know, the, the whole how many times can a boy call wolf before they quit believing him? And I think that we've we've long surpassed that. And and I think this release of this uh, phase one deal had has uh, kind of proven that. So now we're looking at um, all the things that are going on there i mean i guess as those export reports start to grow and we start to see more stuff getting shipped out do you think those are going to have more weight with traders than than maybe a a quarterly stocks report or something like that do you feel like there's going to be more weight put on those yeah absolutely and and we've already seen that in the case of uh the the hogs you know it used to be kind of every thursday morning you're like oh they put out you know, beef and pork numbers as well. And uh, now there's much more emphasis on that. So absolutely, Thursday morning uh, sales are going to be a really important, uh, as is the daily reports, right? We get uh, uh, anything over uh, 100,000 tons. We get uh, daily reports from the USDA on the grain side. So that's going to start taking on more and more importance. Um you know, so that, that's a little different to shift. That's a good thing now. Instead of are we going to get a trade deal? Now it's going to be okay. Uh, it's it's seven thirty in the morning. Did the USDA report any any sales? And Thursday morning, um, let's look see what the numbers are and see you know where China lines out in any of those sales. So uh, across the board, it's going to take on much more significance um, here over the you know the next several months as we kind of try to figure out, uh, you know, how much they're going to take and are they going to live up to some of the, uh, the agreements that they uh, signed on the dotted line here the other day. Yeah. So the other, so we had the, the January report came out last week and, you know, it was, I don't know, there was not a lot of excitement there and I feel there's still a lot of people shaking their head and scratching their head about where the USDA gets their data from. But I guess the next big one to kind of take a look at is that March quarterly stock report, and there could be some some corrections in there. So I guess with the guys you talk to, what you see happening out there, the people I talk with, the lack of grain piles laying around, those kind of things, I feel like that that leading up to that March report, there might be some some pretty decent swings in the market just as from a stocks perspective. I guess what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so that um, there's all the 
uncertainty surrounding these USDA reports and the final January crop report. What should have been final, but now with all the crop in the field and the northern plains, they are going to resurvey five states uh, as far as production goes uh, or, or final yields, as well as harvested acreage, I believe. So there could be some changes. Uh, and there's also been some uh, direction um, from the USDA on how they're going to account for this Chinese trade deal. It, it appears that they are going to, uh, th- these are my terms here, I don't have it all sifted out, but it does look like they are going to start factoring in the potential for this uh, extra Chinese demand through this trade deal. So that could, that's a little bit of a change in the way they're doing things. So there, there's, um, the market's kind of uh, in the dark here trying to figure out how the USDA is uh, changing, um, uh, you know, the way they're doing things slightly. Even with this last um, stocks report, quarterly stocks report, the feed residual side, they, they really threw the market a little bit of a curveball. Uh, so there's some changes afoot, I guess, from there. And that opens the door up to surprises, like you mentioned, on the upcoming stocks reports. There will be supply and demand reports coming out here, even though we've got the final numbers uh, on this January report a week ago. Uh, you know, February and March, there will be uh, supply and demand reports. Uh, then, obviously, at the end of March is a, another quarterly stock report. We've got that acreage report at the end of March. So there's still some things coming up here that uh, really could uh, affect the markets with the trade deal, quarterly stock reports, you know, kind of scouring each weekly export sales number. And then we've got a few more weeks of weather to get through out of uh, South America, and that still could affect things. So it's it's not all doom and gloom. It feels like it, especially yesterday with the action in uh, you know the corn market. But uh, there's several things ahead of us here that could uh, affect things. Primarily being, you know, the market seems disappointed in this uh, trade agreement, but you know we haven't even got to the action part of it yet, just right. the signing. So. You know, it's a little bit too early to to write that off and say, oh, China's never going to live up to, you know, what they said, and they're not going to buy as much, and it's impossible. You know, here's another thing that is kind of maybe a misunderstanding, in my opinion. The market's saying, oh, they can never buy 40. You know, the the most they ever did in ag to, from the U.S. was 2017 at $24 billion. They can never do $40 billion. Well, guess what? Last year alone, worldwide, they did like $113 billion, uh, imported $113 billion of ag products. So it's not like they can't do it. $40 billion is a very, very doable number. Um, and, you know, to have the people say, ah, there's no chance of that, I think is a little bit premature right now. Yeah, it seems like that might be a little bit of a jump, considering how big, I mean, they got a billion people to feed. So I feel like they can... They can swing numbers pretty good if they want to uh, in one direction or the other. All right. Well, Chip, I think we've uh, covered it here. Uh, we're at that time of the year where we're looking at planting and, and getting that all squared away and what you're going to plant, when you're going to plant it, and what your, uh, your break-evens are going to look like. So no better time than now to start working on that plan for uh, 2020. If folks are working on that and need some help with that, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, best way is just uh, give us a call at the office. That's 309-550-7213. And uh, like we mentioned, yesterday's uh, price action is uh, should be a wake-up call that uh, we got to have a plan and we got to be ready to execute that plan because these markets are have been volatile. I think they're going to get more and more volatile as you go forward here. Right on. All right, Chip. Well, I am... Uh 
going to stay warmer than you for once, so um, enjoy your enjoy your weekend. I got the firewood stocked up and I uh, got the blanket ready, you know, canned goods bought and, you know, I, stores, uh, store shelves are empty of uh, milk. So, you know, it's typical Midwest winter. Right on, man. All right, man. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever else you can find podcasts. Also hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. And uh, check out my website, movingironllc.com, for all the latest news having to do with Moving Iron Podcast. And uh, check out Global Ag Network and all the other great podcasters that are out there, part of that network. So I guess until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Chet Mellinger. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.